Okay, welcome back collaborators to what is and what could be with Michael Clark Architect. Thank you for joining me in this podcast series today as we talk through what it feels like to collaborate with an architect and what's involved in realizing an architectural project. We talk through the thinking behind the design of spaces and places. Okay, episode 14, the origin story. I'm looking at my show notes here and that's what it says. So here we are at episode 14, we're going to discuss the origin of the name, what is and what could be. Now, rightly so, you might say episode 14. That seems a little bit out of sequence. Why in episode 14 would we be talking about the origin story, the why choose that title? Wouldn't we think it would feature in episode one, maybe episode two or three, worst case episode four, but not necessarily episode 14. And that's a fair enough criticism. The only thing I'll say is that it's not the first time in the history of storytelling or character discussion or insights into a subject matter where the origin, the why that topic has come up after the story has started. Now, it might seem a bit of an extreme link. I am a fan of comic books. It's a big part of my life. And what many would consider to be the most popular comic book character of all time, I think many would agree to this, happens to have a situation where their first appearance in comics did not include their origin story. The Dark Knight, the world's greatest detective, one half of the dynamic duo, the caped crusader, Batman, As he appeared in 1939, a comic called Detective Comics issue number 27, he appeared as a fully fledged crime fighter, but the issue made no reference to his origin story. This is somewhat unique when you think now about these stories and comic book characters. Certainly was not the case in the 60s for Marvel superheroes as they came to light. Their first appearance included their origin story, but not Batman. Batman's origin story was revealed six issues later. Now, I found that quite interesting when I remembered that. And if you know me, you'll know that I have a particular interest in relating things outside the architectural profession to architectural experiences, ideas, and the like. But what does it mean to start to tell a story without thinking about the background? For me, I was suffering a little bit through what you might say is paralysis as a result of over-analysis to get the podcast moving. I kept thinking, what do I want to talk about? What should the name be? What should the title be? What's the story behind the story, etc.? And I said, I need to draw a line in the sand, start the podcast and see how it feels. See what I want to talk about. See what discussion threads occur by simply putting it out there. And so that's what I did. And now I'm circling back to talk about that origin story. 
bit of an extreme link, I know, to relate my podcast to the most popular comic book character of all time. And when I say that, I think even if you don't follow comic books or the, the movies that come out as a result of them or other imaginings to that story and that character, that's fine. I think, however, most people, when they see the word Batman or the Batman costume or the Batman symbol or something, you've got an idea as to what might that might be about. Anyway, the origin story to the name, what is and what could be, came as a result of my experience in final year university. Now, final year university for an architecture student was intense, at least when I was doing it. Now, I don't know if this is necessarily true for other professions, but the weight that we gave this final year was incredible at the expense of our health and well-being, relationships and so many other aspects of our life. You see, there were two parts. The first part is what was called an investigation workshop and we did half a year of that. And then part two was a design response to the findings from that investigation workshop. Now to put this in plainer terms, Investigation workshop, essentially what we were doing is we were being the client. We were writing the brief. We were writing the vision. And so it's that classic scenario. You know, if someone says, if you had a million dollars, what would you do? If you could pick any job, what would you do? And you think about it. Well, this is a similar situation. If you could have the dream client and the dream project, what would it be? Someone's asking you that question and assessing academically assessing your response. And you could see how you could be a little bit stressed about this. For one, it's sort of saying, what are you interested in? And on another level, it's saying, you haven't done this before. For four years studying, and for me, a year working in between third and fourth years. So five years of experiencing architecture. We were given visions hypothetical visions, hypothetical briefs, or when I was working, actual briefs, actual visions. And sure, we might say, how does this room work? What happens on this part of the site, this location? We might question certain components, but we would never wholesale say, why that location, why that program? Program is a fancy way of saying what happens in the building. Do you live there? Do you work there? Do you see a movie there? Do you train there? Are you treated for health? Do you learn there? So why that program, why that site? We'd never done that. And now we had to come up with an idea for a project on a particular site. Now that was one part of the, the issue that made this year more stressful, more intense, have more weight than previous years in our minds, even though in fact it had no additional credit point loading. It wasn't worth more than subjects in years prior. The other thing was that at the end of the year, we were going to have an exhibition. And that exhibition, you know, our work for most of us for the first time was going to be displayed to the public, to colleagues outside of the course or in years below, years above, to potential employers, to family, friends. You know, what is this degree about? And you can see how that would add, excuse me, a layer of importance. 
And to put this in context, to give you some examples, I had a, there was a colleague in another design studio who I remember had quit two times. So he'd got to week two or three or four, I can't remember. There's a week in the semester where if you cancel, sorry, if you drop out, you're not charged hex fees, you're not charged university fees. And he did that twice. If you think about other aspects of your life, like in terms of your educational experience, that's pretty intense and I knew that that was his story. I had another friend, this was after I graduated, after I'd finished, who was making a model and she cut a thumb and she was in such a flow and really happy with where things were going. She didn't want to stop <laughs> and go to the hospital. So I, I'm not exactly sure the specifics. I recall her saying that she might have rung emergency and said, what can I do? And so she froze that component of the thumb, bandaged it up, kept working until she got to a point. I don't know what was the scenario if she got to a point where if she left it any longer, the thumb would be unsalvageable or, or she just wanted to finish one part of the model. I, I don't know, but you can see how intense that is to choose the project over your health and well-being. And I can certainly relate to that. I remember that when I was finishing off my graduation studio project and we had to package it all, put it in a car and deliver it to university in time for it to get, you know, a sticker and that door to be closed and we go home and have a good night's sleep before the next day where we presented. And it's a great strategy. It meant that we weren't sleep deprived when we were presenting our project. But I was still painting and drawing and adding layers to components of pieces of work that I'd done. And my father would, he yanked the work off me or pulled me away from the work and put it in the car. And then I went, oh, you shouldn't have done that. I went over to another model and I kept working and a friend did the same thing my father did. He took it off me and I just went around all these pieces of, you know, for me, they were like artworks that I could still work on time was getting away from us and my family elected to step in and say, no, this is what's going to happen. I remember too, I had a friend who was a little bit overwhelmed getting towards that final submission and I helped out and we did a couple of late nights together trying to get on top of some things. And I said to myself, I don't want to experience that. And I had another friend who uh, had to separate, that had to say they could no longer maintain a relationship with me because they wanted to focus on their graduation project. And that was intense. I thought, wow, this person wants to isolate, separate themselves from all potential distractions so that they could focus on this final project. And if those examples aren't enough, I've got probably plenty more, but you can see that the stakes were high. Justified? Probably not. Maladjusted? Absolutely. But this is where we were at, you know, and it's a classic scenario where you think back on, you know, people say this all the time. How many times have I referred to my higher school certificate achievement, which is the final year of university at, in New South Wales where, where I live? Sorry, not university, school. Uh, and how many times do you think back onto your final project and show it to people? And I think that criticism is fair enough in the scheme of your life, in the context of your life. However, one thing I do critique is the energy, the effort that you went into to achieve a particular result. I think developing that, if you like, tenacity is something that sticks with you certainly through 
your life. Anyway, that was the setup. But the result for me, even though I had these, if you like, catalysts, these example experiences that, you know, I'd, I'd seen to, you know, that I, I wanted to not necessarily experience, you know, I, I didn't want to have to separate myself from friends and the like, and I didn't want to be stressed and overwhelmed. And one of my mentors to help me in that respect, I said, look, you've taught this, you know, what, what are your, what's your suggestions? And he said, you really need to hit the ground running. It's not a lot of time to work up the response. So get in there as quick and as fast as you can. And I took that to mean that investigation workshop, that first part was not as critical necessarily as the second part. So let's come up with a vision and come up with a brief as fast as possible. But here's the thing, it's called investigation workshop. 12 weeks workshopping an investigation into an idea for a project that's based on something that you want to talk about or that you think is prudent in society or cities or whatever it might be. Now, I, I didn't appreciate that and I said, no, I'm going to design a museum in the middle of the city. So pick a tricky site, prominent site, Museum sounds complex or an art gallery or something along those lines. Let's go. There's no workshop, sorry, there's no investigation or there's no deep, there's certainly not 12 weeks worth of investigation that said, yes, it makes sense that Michael is going to do a museum on a complex site in the city. And my tutor said, that's not an investigation. You need to tell me what you're interested in as a person, as a student, what, what interests you? And I said, well, what do you mean? We've got to get into materials and form and structure and, and, and circulation and light and dark and shapes and relationship to site and relationship to cities. And he said, yeah, absolutely. We need to first be sure that we've dived into an investigation. For example, he said that all of us need to find a way to describe our project in a sentence. And I, I couldn't do that, but I had a friend who said, she's interested in the harbor, looking at the experience of the harbor. Who knows what could come from that? A museum, an art gallery, no one knows. No one knows necessarily even where. Probably by virtue of her referring to the harbor, it's going to occur somewhere in the harbor, but no guarantees. That was it. And she just said, fantastic, let's look at that. Let's talk about that. I had another friend that was interested in the experience of traveling on a train because that's something she'd done for five years at university. Someone else who was interested in the ritual of bathing. Now, none of those speak to defined or, or, or you know, necessarily definitive projects. You can't say there's a project there from that sentence alone. What you can say is there's an investigation workshop. There's the potential to workshop an investigation into that subject, into that topic. I didn't do that and six weeks in, I was still sort of stumbling through what everything would be and, and, and stressed as to not coming to anything quick enough. And for that first submission in the first part of this year long process, I failed. This was huge for me, as it is huge for everyone. I've got a business coach that referred to the fact that no one is actually afraid necessarily of failing. People fail all the time. 
or don't achieve the result that they were hoping to get. You know, there's sort of a gray area between the extremity of failing and achieving spot on. But what we're more worried about actually is the judgment that comes from that. And for me, this was so true. I was involved in a lot of extracurricular things at university. I was the student representative for our year, involved in organizing exhibitions. I directed and wrote what we call a, a review, which is a theatrical parody of architecture, so a play. I did two, maybe more, I think two of those, heavily involved in that. You know, I knew people in years below, I knew people in years above as a result of doing these plays. I knew people in other degrees throughout the faculty. I had connections and rapport with a lot of the lecturers and teachers. That's the kind of person I was and I felt like everyone was looking at Michael. Oh, did you hear Michael failed, Michael failed, oh, Michael failed. Completely misaligned with reality. This was a construct in my mind. That was not the case. Maybe people found out about it and maybe people gave it five, 10 seconds of thought. The reality is they had their own stuff to get on top of. And my friends would work through it, no doubt, and chat to me about it. But really, the judgment was constructed. Anyway, I remember that night, we went out for dinner, these three good friends of mine, and a couple other people as well, and, and they'd done quite well. And so they're on a high, and I'm on this little bit of this feeling of, of lack. You know, they're in a moment of abundance. I can't see the abundance that, you know, as a mature person, I can now see. What an opportunity to step back and say, okay, what are we doing here? And actually, what happened that night was really special and it speaks volumes to, you know, having a core group of people you really relate to, debate with. You know, that saying that your friends tell you sometimes things you need to hear, but don't necessarily want to hear it at that time. Anyway, they said to me, you know, what are you interested in? What's Michael interested in? And at the time, I loved playing music, loved playing music. Uh, like the three month gap between university years, I found a bit full on in terms of, you know, you went from this stressful university year to suddenly having the first month, it's great, it's summer, let's celebrate, let's have a good time. The second month, not really sure. And then the third month, you feel like a burden to society. For those first three years, I didn't get work necessarily. I did, I think from fourth year onwards. Anyway, to fill that time, I think now if I know what I know about, sorry, if I knew then what I know now about certain surf locations and the like, I would have gone on these surfing adventures and used my time that way. But instead I learned an instrument. And first I learned bass guitar, then guitar, then started recording things, joined a band. I really got into music and bands like Radiohead were huge for me. And they said, my friend, I think it was a friend Lee, who I've not thanked enough for this, she said, it needs to be music. You need to talk about music. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? Like, I think I was, as I said, I'm in this period of lack, thinking I've got to do the assignment again. I've got to come up with something in a week. The most I can get now because it's a resubmit is a pass. Woe is me. But she said that and I thought, oh. and in my mind, I'm still doing that exercise, but what project, what site? And I couldn't step back and say, who knows? It doesn't matter. Let's talk about music, how it's performed, where it's performed, 
how it's constructed, how instruments are constructed, how it's taught, so many aspects. And I woke up the next day, you know, feeling a little bit emotionally hungover still from the experience of knowing I'd failed. And I did what I think everyone should do when you're in that moment of, you know, a bit of a rut that you're in what a friend of mine who's got a podcast calls the funk. You're feeling like you're in the funk. And this is, this is quite a pun. I'm, I'm a man of puns. I picked up the guitar. If I'm going to do something about music and talk about a project by using music, then let's play some music. Let's play a song. If this really is the way to go, then let's strum my guitar. Let's play a song on my guitar. And I played, I think I played Morning Bell by Radiohead off their Kid A album. It's appeared in some other albums as well. And I played acoustic guitar version. It's a really bright, I think it's got a little bit of a different tune and tuning to the guitar than standard tuning. And there's some open chord sections that are standard Radiohead, really bright, atmospheric. And I remember playing this and hearing myself and singing and thinking, wow, imagine if I can describe an idea for architecture, for space, for place, a relationship to the city through a song, you know, to combine my two passions of music and architecture in a way I'm cheating life, you know, what, what an opportunity. And when I'd realized that almost nothing could stop me, I became invincible and I went on this exponential curve of success thereafter. If I'd hit rock bottom at that moment, I certainly turned that ship around and it was really, really special. When we started to get into design studio, the second half of the year, some of us would struggle with some components of our project, most notably how our projects were fanciful. You know, the colleague that was looking at the harbour, she did some research into the fact that apparently underwater, it's really noisy that the sea creatures are communicating through sound. We just can't perceive it because it's a frequency that humans can't perceive. And so she was implored and through development and study, she said, I'm going to look at a space where you can have a conversation with fish. Now, when I say fanciful, that still needed a location. It still needed walls, a roof, circulation, access, consideration of structure and materials. The fanciful component is that in reality, if we be true to ourselves, Sydney Harbour Foreshore Authority is not ringing her tomorrow to say, we want to commission you to design a space for a conversation with fish. My project, which I'd love to talk about at another point in time, you know, it had various components. Essentially, it was a soundscape. It was a passageway through an urban thoroughfare that provided experiences with sound, music, etc. And the Conservatorium of Musmic, still, if you've got my number, guys, anyone out there listening, I'm ready for your call. They haven't called me to date. And that component, even though, as I said, there's structure, there's walls, there's real components, real locations, even a real need, in my mind, to these projects, they're not happening regularly, you know? And my tutor said, okay, we've got art galleries and we've got museums and we've got 
libraries, which were things that certainly I was guilty of feeling like should be what we do in final year. What we don't have is a space for a conversation with fish or a place where one of my, one of the buildings in my, one of the spaces in my project was a space where you, you know, could hear your heartbeat, a meditative space. And they're not spaces we're designing every day. And so when we were struggling with that, the tutor said, okay, he quoted a line from, I thought it was Oscar Wilde, it was a long time ago. I've not been able to find the quotes since. I don't have a lot of Oscar Wilde texts. I should go on a journey of reading more Oscar Wilde. It may not have been Oscar Wilde. I'm happy to be fact-checked on this, but the quote was, the task of the artist is to not show the world what is, but what could be. I'm gonna say that again. The task of the artist, in this case us, architectural students, is not to show the world what is, but what could be. Now, this is a little bit different to the focus of the podcast, but what he was saying is that we've got these other spaces, we know museums and galleries and whatever, we don't have the others. So now's your opportunity to show what the world could look like, what could be. So don't tell us what is, don't do a version of what is, Show us, based on your investigation workshop, what could be. Now, because of how connected and enthralled, inspired, excited I was to that year, there's so many aspects that I could talk to, but I remembered that quote. Now, for me, for this podcast series, thinking about that investigation workshop, a criticism of me is that I didn't do a deep enough dive, in fact, I didn't do any dive, into what is. What is something Michael Clark is interested in, in regards to the experience of a city? And we could say this about so many other aspects. I really am interested in that deep discussion about a topic so as to understand what could be. When we present concept designs to clients, I particularly love looking at, you know, what is their vision? What are their aspirations? What do they enjoy doing? What experiences do they enjoy? What opportunities are there on the site? My tutor called this, that same tutor from that year, excavating, conceptually excavating for opportunity. I think he said, let's have a conversation with the site and let's see what comes back. And so, you know, you do little studies, sketches, models, you compare certain natural topography components or whatever. You might do a painting, who knows? What is the current condition on the site? What is the existing building? What opportunities are there in that existing building? And I feel like through this mapping, this conceptual excavation, you get the opportunity through a deep dive into what is to find out through that process of what could be. And so there it is, the origin story to the podcast series, appreciating, truly appreciating a precedent, be it another building, another space, a song, an artwork, a movie, the origin of a comic book character, the existing condition of the site, the client's vision, what is that situation? What is it? And really getting into it so as to appreciate what could be. So that's it. 
I hope this has been useful. Uh, reach out to me if you've had an experience where you've hit maybe rock bottom, career rock bottom, or a moment where you've not achieved success as a result of being a little bit too fixated on the end result, fixated on an outcome that you can't control and not being able to sit back and say, okay, what could this experience be? Let's dive into it. Let's suspend disbelief and see what comes out. Have you experienced that? I certainly have. And I am where I'm at in life as a result of appreciating the shortfall. Okay, thank you so much for listening. If you think this could be relevant to a colleague, client, friend, relative, please share it or reach out to me, give me some feedback. I hope to hear from you, share the show, that really does help. Until then, thank you for being with me. You've been listening to What Is and What Could Be, the origin story with Michael Clark Architect. See you next time.